back many years ago, 2013, I was on holiday. I was based in London at the time. I was on holiday in Paris with my wife. And I got an email from work saying, you need to get to Rome now. You need to get to Rome now. Um, the Pope has quit. And what do you mean the Pope has quit? What do you mean the Pope has resigned? The popes don't resign. Um, I'd never heard of a Pope resigning. The reason for that is because no Pope had resigned in 600 years. But that's precisely what Pope Benedict did in 2013. He simply announced um, that he was going to step down. Um, and, you know, it was a remarkable moment in history. And, of course, I had to get to Rome quickly. I did. We got there. It was rainy. It was quiet. I mean, I'd been there for other events over the years uh, at, at, um, at uh, St. Peter's Square. It was usually a really active place uh, because we were there for something that was going on, something big. This night, it was just quiet. So, so quiet. And I think everyone was just a bit shocked. And then, of course, it emerged uh, over time that he felt like it was time to go. He had been become pontiff at 78, so he was already older and felt like it was uh, taking a lot out of him. And uh, he wanted to simply retire to a life of uh, contemplation, so to speak, and make way for somebody else who became Pope Francis, of course. Pope Francis was uh, elected as his successor. Uh, but, it, of course, I had to find out a lot about Pope Benedict at the time to cover the whole, all the events that led up, um, both from his resignation to the nomination to the election of a new pope. Um, and so today I've been watching, you know, he passed away at the age of 95 on Saturday. He'd been in ill health for a while. Uh, pope Francis today praised uh, Benedict's acute and gentle thought, he called it, as he presided over a packed general audience in Vatican City. Here's what one mourner there had to say. Something uh, I think you cannot uh, express with words. Uh, you are speechless, like uh, the things that you are seeing. Now, Francis is due, and this is going to be a historic site in of itself, Francis is due to preside over the funeral of his predecessor uh, coming up in just a few hours in uh, Rome time. Um, Thursday morning, again, Benedict's coffin will be carried out in front of St. Peter's for a public mass. Tens of thousands of people are expected to be there. Of course, Benedict succeeded John Paul II, uh, which was always going to be difficult. You know, John Paul uh, II was a very charismatic and popular pontiff. Um, Benedict was a very different kind of man. He was a scholar, a longtime scholar. Um, and in his almost eight years as Pope, it was widely seen as a difficult time for the church, not just the Pope, but the church itself, one marked by turmoil over issues, including sexual abuse scandals. But others point out that Benedict started in motion many of the things that we've witnessed under Francis, including steps towards reconciliation and an apology for the church's role in residential schools here in a far firmer line on uh, the sexual abuse scandals of the past within the church. Now, Bishop of Calgary, William McGratton, became a bishop while Benedict was pope. He's met the late pontiff, um, uh, including teachings with him back in Rome in the 90s. And he joins me now. Bishop McGratton, uh, thank you so much for your time tonight. Well, thank you, Ben, for the invitation. I know that uh, Pope Benedict was um, had a special role in your life in the church as well. You became a bishop under Pope Benedict. So this was a personal loss in some ways to you as well, I imagine. In some ways, uh, yes, knowing that he was the one who was uh, the successor of Peter, uh, the Pope who uh, called me to the Episcopacy. But I also knew him as the prefect for the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith and had a number of opportunities to be present at sessions that were dealing with seminary formation. And I found him in his words, in the advice, the guidance to 
questions that were asked of him to be truly a pastor. He was very gentle and very sort of direct and succinct in responses. And so, you know, when I have memories of him, I probably have it as, as a teacher and, and as a pastor. Yeah, I, I guess this was back in Rome in the '90s, right? That's um, if I if I remember yes. correctly. Uh, his his reputation as a scholar, as an intellect, is certainly without match uh, in recent times. I mean, that was I guess his legacy in many ways is that he was an incredible scholar of the church. You're right, and in some ways, his scholarship was also I think a sign of his own humility. When I've reflected on some of his writings, his book, uh, you know, Jesus of Nazareth. You know, he always presents it in such a way that he is not trying to force the truth, but oftentimes he presents it, gives reasons, gives objections, and gives a balanced approach. And so I've always sort of seen that as someone who was uh, open to how the truth can be both received and, and understood. His depth of languages, his command of scripture, of the patristics, uh, the church's living tradition of teaching, how he could borrow from so many sources and bring his points and what he wanted to convey to people in such a direct and simple way always astounded me. His reputation, I remember covering when covering his resignation, his reputation uh, was also one, though, of quite a formidable figure of uh, God's Rottweiler, I think, uh, was the one of the terms that may have been used by people who didn't appreciate him as much. But he he cut quite an imposing figure. At least that was the impression outside of the church. It was. And I think it maybe was because of his entering into discussions with maybe theologians who were pushing the boundaries, maybe sometimes, of the church's uh, teaching, some of the areas of dogma. You know, we, we know that he was always a man that saw the principle of continuity as being very important in understanding both scripture and the tradition. And so I guess, you know, when someone is operating or beginning their type of explanation or teaching from that perspective, it might seem to some that he's trying to conserve or to maintain what was there in the past. And so I think that impression, you know, has been recognized by many who have been involved in discussions and debates with him. Becoming the, pre the successor to Pope John Paul II was going to be difficult for whomever became Pope afterwards. It was certainly a challenge for, it seemed from the outside at least, certainly a challenge for Benedict, who was very much, as you pointed out, a teacher and, and, and a gentle kind of, he didn't, he didn't lead from the heart, it didn't seem. He was, really was a man of sort of, of learning. Yes, and I think that's why between the previous Pope, St. John Paul II, and now the current Pope, Pope Francis, uh, many have sort of made that comparison. And sometimes I think we have to see that the church both has the, the gifts and the presence of both intellect and, and the mind that I think Pope Emeritus Benedict will be known for. But he, he really did have a heart. When you think about some of the issues that he, he challenged and, and began to work towards reform with, with regard to clergy sexual abuse of minors and meeting with victims, you know, even for Canadians, you know, he was open to first meeting that delegation in 2009 to understand the pain and the suffering of those who attended residential schools. So I know in his gestures, he was opening himself up to those particular difficult situations. Maybe his response or how he acted upon that might be seen more from an intellectual perspective. But 
I really do think, you know, he, he was a man who had a gentle heart. Maybe it was expressed in, in ways that people might not uh, identify with St. John Paul II or, or with Pope Francis. It always struck me that he he came in at a very difficult time for, you know, the, a lot of things were moving very quickly uh, for the church. We had the advent of social media. We had lots of, you know, news spread fast by the time that Benedict uh, became Pope and that he was sort of a traditionalist caught sometimes in, in events that were moving very quickly by any standards, uh, let alone that of the Catholic Church. Well, I think you're describing what's happening in our modern society with the influence of of media and how things are reported in almost uh, real time and the expectation to respond. And maybe that often uh, caused him maybe to sort of step back and realize that, uh, you know, his preference, his way of responding was much more from a, a traditional or an academic way. And in some ways, he, he continued to uh, make visits, like he went to over 24 countries. And yes, uh, I think those were important. They were public events. They were media. I think he didn't shy away from it, but he maybe was not as comfortable as we know Pope Francis is. Um I was uh, explaining a little bit earlier that I covered uh, his resignation, just how much shock there was everywhere, but certainly um, at the Vatican at the time. Were you caught off guard when he announced his resignation? He had telegraphed it a little bit. He wasn't young when he became Pope, 78, um, but it certainly caught, you know, it hadn't happened in 600 years. It certainly caught a lot of people off guard. I think you're correct, Ben. It did. In some ways, too, it was, I think, though, also a sign of his recognizing his own limitations and people maybe not knowing that personally. And then after a number of days or weeks, people began, I think, then to appropriate or to sort of realize that maybe this decision, yes, being made for personal reasons, but also for greater reasons that his own role as the Pope maybe was going to be potentially limited by because of his age and his health. So others have said that it's been a a sign of humility, you know, to recognize when one is maybe being called by God to step down. But it it did really shock the church and the world. Some commentators have used the word, it it sort of opened the air of demystifying the papacy. It, It sort of brought a certain relevance, a certain recognition that maybe this truly was you know, something that uh, was forward thinking for the time. And maybe that's also a way of remembering this resignation that was a shock, but maybe it had a deeper meaning and a purpose. There was certainly at the time concern that having two living popes would create conflict. And I think we saw a little bit of it. There was the odd um, disagreement between what Pope Francis was saying, and uh, Pope Benedict very much stayed in the shadows for most of the last um, seven, eight years. But but there were some conflicts there. But overall, it, it looks like the arrangement succeeded, generally. I think, yes, there was a deep respect and admiration. And I think when that it is there between Pope Emeritus and the current Pope, even though there might have been disagreements, maybe about practice or theological perspective, There was a genuineness to respect each other and to support each other. And the very fact that he was in residence at the Vatican, uh, close to Pope Francis, says a lot. The fact that he was in the monastery there of the Mary Mother of the Church, I think that speaks volumes, that he was there in prayer, spiritually supporting 
the church and Pope Francis in his his ministry. When one thinks of the impact, of course, of Pope John Paul II, one thinks of the impact that Pope Francis uh, will likely have, given how public a papacy he's had, how popular a papacy he's having. Um, one gets the impression sometimes that Benedict may may vanish between those two titans. But you've said in the past that his writings, his his life's work, will remain in a way that perhaps uh, isn't um, what many other people see as sort of a popular pope, but he is an influential pope. Knowing the church's tradition and how we've relied on such um, individuals, yes, if this uh, is a legacy, I think it's an important one, uh, one of pointing to the truth and then standing back and allowing others to maybe appropriate that or understand it in terms of our Christian tradition and and the revelation that we've received from Scripture. So he was very much guided by the Word of God, and I think that that also will stand as a testimony to him and his theological writings. And I think that also will be in further years, and as others begin to mine or you know, research his works, they'll begin to see patterns of thought, and maybe the writings will also show a a gift of inspiration that maybe the Holy Spirit was working in and through his scholarship and his writing. So this remains to be seen, and as we know, our words live on, and hopefully those were inspired words, and and therefore they'll have an eternal kind of contribution to the church's tradition and um, and its teaching. And and despite you know we we've obviously been reading all the um, you know all the words that have been written about Pope Benedict over the last few days there was certainly some controversy about his record over sexual abuse abuse claims and so on but it always felt in some ways that he really did embody in many ways that that transition that difficult transition the church was going through at the time um, and he did sort of it, I, you get the impression he did face up to it but it was never going to be fast enough uh, for those who were waiting for more concrete action from the church but he did start the process that we're witnessing unfold now with Francis. I would agree. I might use the scriptural image of John the Baptist. Uh, He began to point the way uh, and how the church should deal with this. He did make that definitive decision, and I think it was a decision of reform. And I'd also point out, Ben, that maybe his resignation, uh, realizing maybe the reform of the Curia, that he himself did not have the the stamina or maybe the physical ability to carry through with something like that, realizing that maybe that was an important step for the next pontiff as well. So maybe paving the way for Pope Francis and some of the initiatives that he has been asking the church to to consider and to undergo with he himself, the Pope. Well, Bishop McGratton, thank you so much for your time and your insight on this tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks very much, Ben.